Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today for part two, the defeat of Satan, right? The six judgments of Satan. Now, I want you to know in Romans chapter 16, it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, judgment is coming for Satan. So let's look at these six judgments. I won't spend a lot of time introducing them, but I'm going to give you two one at a time. There is the original judgment of Satan. That was when he was cast out of heaven. Now, this is recorded in Ezekiel chapter 28. And in Ezekiel chapter 28, we have the story of the account given of Satan or Lucifer being cast out of heaven. And why was he cast out of heaven? Well, Ezekiel 28, 15 to 17 says, You were blameless in all your ways from the day that you were created, so wickedness was found in you. So Lucifer was created blameless. He was created perfect in all of his ways. But something happened. Wickedness somehow was found in him. Verse 16, Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence. And you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mountain of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. In verse 17, this is how it happened. Your heart became proud on the account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Now, this is a fall of a king, and I get that context, but it is describing the fall of the king in a similar fashion as the fall of Satan. Now, Satan's fall is symbolically described in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, and in Ezekiel 28 that I just read to you. Well, these two passages are referring specifically to the kings of Babylon and Tyre. We believe they also are a reference to, They are the spiritual power behind these kings, namely Satan. In other words, these two kings were driven by Satan. They were probably demon-possessed, or Satan entered into them like Satan did into, uh, into Judas. And as a result, they had to fall. So these passages describe why Satan fell. But they do not say when the fall occurred. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, witnessed Satan's fall And he mentions it in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, we know that the angels were created before the earth was created. Job references that. Satan fell before he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. So Satan's fall, therefore, must have occurred somewhere after the time the angels were created and before he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. Whether Satan's fall occurred hours, days, or even years before he tempted Adam and Eve, Scripture doesn't say. Now, the book of Job does tell us that Satan still had some access to heaven and to the throne of God. I like to use the illustration of Satan's been put on a leash, and he was cast out of heaven. He was cast to hell. He was given opportunity to go to earth. That's where he tempted Adam and Eve but he's still under the restriction of God. Satan has limited access to heaven and to the throne of God. Look what Job 1 says. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And who was there? And Satan came with them. 
And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth. So apparently at that time, Satan was still moving freely between heaven and earth, speaking to God directly and answering for his activities. Whether God has discontinued this access is a matter of debate. Some say that Satan's access to heaven was ended at the death of Christ. Others say uh, that Satan's access to heaven will be ended at the end of time, and I'm going to make that point in a few minutes. But why did Satan fall from heaven? Satan fell because of pride. He desired to be God, not to be a servant of God. Now, notice the many I will statements in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. And it describes Satan as an exceedingly beautiful angel. Now, I want to give a cautionary note, right? If Satan fell from heaven because of his pride, we are on very dangerous territory, in very dangerous territory when we become filled with pride. When we dig our heels in, right? And we get too heavy on these I will statements. Satan fell because he was an exceedingly beautiful angel, and that beauty went to his head. Now, Satan was likely the the highest of all the angels. He's called the anointed cherim, the most beautiful of God's creation. But he was not content in his position. Instead, Satan desired to be God, to essentially kick God off his throne, and to take over the rule of the universe. Satan wanted to be God, and interestingly enough, that desire is what Satan tempted Adam and Eve within the Garden of Eden. And by the way, he still does the same to us today. Whenever you dig your heels in, when somebody brings something to you, and you refuse to get it right, I'm talking about a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, did you realize that you are are on a very shaky ground when you dig your heels and you say, I will not repent and I will not acknowledge my wrong. What you do is you're kicking God off his throne. And so Satan fell from heaven because of Satan's sin. God cast him out of heaven. You know, heaven is no place for the wicked one. Satan fell from heaven as part of his punishment. Isaiah 14, 15, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So the original judgment, the first judgment of Satan is recorded in the book of Ezekiel and Isaiah. But there's a second judgment that uh, Satan faces or faced, and that is called the Eden judgment. This was where his head was crushed or his head will be crushed. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15 says, I will put enmity or strife between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So here, because of the pride of the enemy, tempting Eve and Adam to give in to that sin, we see that there is now a judgment that is facing Satan. His head is going to be crushed. Even though he's going to try to strike the heel of Christ, the Messiah, Satan's head is going to be crushed. 
Now, when I think about the Eden judgment, again, it's a form of pride that is festering up. When I look at artificial intelligence, there's a Wall Street Journal author called Peggy Noonan, and she is writing an article not too long ago where she talks about AI in the Garden of Eden. And this is what she writes. But a small, funny detail always gives me pause and stayed with me. Talking about, uh, in his Wall Street Journal, Peggy Noonan is thinking of how promising and exciting the advent of the internet and artificial intelligence was expected to be. Uh, She has a pause that she is sensing, and that from the beginning of the age, the great symbol of, of ones who are creating artificial intelligence has become the greatest company. And that company is, of course, Apple. It was the boldly drawn people with the bite taken out of it, which made her think of Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve in the fall at the beginning of the world. God told them not to eat of the fruit of the tree. But the serpent told Eve no harm would come if she did. That she'd become like God, knowing all. That's why he doesn't want you to have it. The serpent said, you'll be his equal. So she took the fruit and she ate it. She gave to Adam who also ate and the eyes of them both were opened. And the first time in their lives, they experienced shame. Well, when God rebuked them, Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. They were banished from the garden into the broken world that we have inhabited. AI tech workers are stealthily taking a bite of the apple. Now, when I think about the logo for Apple, the original logo was actually a picture of Isaac Newton and a tree with an apple coming out of the tree, showing Newton's discovery of the law of gravity, going back to 1686. And that was for a short while they had that, and they changed their logo. And the latest logo is a different logo. It's an apple with a bite taken out of it. So, One AI investor, a guy by the name of Ian Hograth, wrote that the future of AI, in which he called it godlike AI, and he says godlike AI could lead to destruction of the entire human race if it's not regulated. You see, he observed that most of those currently working in the field understand that risk. People haven't been sufficiently warned. His colleagues are being pulled along by the rapid progress. You know, there's interesting facts about artificial intelligence in the Garden of Eden. In this Wall Street Journal by Peggy Newton, dated 4-2023, gives seven interesting facts about Apple that you may not know. Did you know that there is more to the beloved Apple brand than meets the eye. Now, I'm not saying all this to say, give up your iPhone, uh, give up technology. I'm saying all this to keep it in perspective, to realize that we will never be like God. God is on a whole different plane. When I think about some of the teaching that I hear on popular podcasts and on on these uh, some of these larger churches, where they are driving home the point that you can be God. That is heretical. 
we will never be on the same level of God. Artificial intelligence cannot produce us to the level or make us into a God. What is dangerous is we're going down this very slippery slope. Some people said, well, the train has already left the station, so what am I going to do? Well, let me tell you something. If I'm on a train that's left the station and it's going in the wrong direction, the first stop available, I'm getting off that train. I'm not going to keep going down that path of heresy. Did you know that Apple has more cash on hand than the government? The world's most influential brand that sometimes has twice as much cash on hand as the United States government. Did you know that Apple had a clothing line in 1986? And that clothing line that was launched was called the Apple Collection. The designers were far from minimalist. The Apple that we know today, their clothing line included shirts and accessories and and other items that sported the rainbow logo. Thirdly, almost all of Apple devices and ads are set to the time clock of 941. The time was initially set to 9.42 when the first iPhone was launched in 2007, but Steve Jobs changed it. Then it was later changed to 9.41 in 2010. That's just a fun little fact. I'm not sure that it means anything, but that's just a fun little fact. Number four, Apple has over 140,000 employees. That was in 2020. That's many more than that now in 2024. I thought this was interesting. In in the year 2021, every day in the year of 2021, 365 days in the year of 2021, Apple sold 657,000 iPhones every single day in the year 2021. Apple iPad, did you know it doesn't have a built-in calculator? And there is a rumor that Steve Jobs didn't like the original calculator design for the tablet in 2010. And so to this day, the Apple iPad doesn't have a calculator built into use. Now, you can download one, obviously, but it doesn't come with a built-in calculator. As I think about Satan and his fall, I think about the judgment that is falling upon him that was meted out at Calvary which is his third judgment. This is where Satan was disarmed of his power and his authority, and he was publicly shamed. Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he was taking it away. He has taken it all away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Can I tell you something? Jesus brings us victory. Yes, he does. You know, I love watching the Olympics. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. I remember several years ago when the Olympics were winding down, And uh, we were going to celebrate the winners and the gold and the silver and the bronze winners. And and sadly, while we cheer the winners, most of us don't know how to lose well. There was a recent article 
that takes a look at the negative effects for rooting for those who lose. The article notes there is an agony of defeat that manifests in athletes' bodies as well as on their faces. Researchers have found that study participants had to watch about four seconds of a basketball or a table tennis game to recognize from the looks on the athlete's face who was winning and who was losing. The participants were also quickly able to surmise whether the game was close or whether it was a blowout, just looking at their faces, right? I want you to know, as you look at your life, maybe you're feeling like we're on the losing side. It seems like the enemy is one-upping us, and it seems like, uh, as believers in Christ, that we are on the losing side. Well, in 2013, there was a study that was done that tracked the attitudes of high school students before and after big soccer matches against other countries. When the German national team lost, the researchers found the high schoolers developed more negative views of people from the winning countries. And so the study suggests that international sports competitions may not be a path to world harmony after all. And so this study noted that when an NFL team loses, that team's fans tend to binge on foods loaded with saturated fats. So the theory is, after a crushing defeat, a losing fan finds comfort in comfort food. Well, we don't have to find comfort in comfort food because we are not on a losing team. Ultimately, we will bring and see victory. The enemy, our arch enemy, is going to be defeated. It was declared way back in his fall, the original fall, that he's going to be cast out of heaven. And then he had the judgment in Eden where his head was crushed. And then we have, thirdly, the judgment at Calvary, where he's disarmed of his power and his authority, and he is put to shame. But there's another judgment that is going to fall on Satan. And it is called the tribulation judgment. This is where Satan will be completely banned from heaven. Completely banished from heaven. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. It says that war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angel fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. That great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So here we see during the tribulation time, that is the thousand-year reign, or I'm sorry, the seven-year tribulation time, that Satan is going to be completely banished from heaven. Now, this is good news, right? Because those believers, those tribulation saints, don't have to worry about Satan going to accuse them in heaven because he has no access to heaven. He's hurled to the earth. Now, they will have to deal with Satan there on the earth, but greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world, and they'll have victory over that dragon. Satan will have a lot of authority during the time of the tribulation, even more than he has right now. That's why if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't say, uh, well, I'll just wait until after the rapture takes place, and then I get, I get saved during the time of the tribulation. Chances are you probably won't. If you have heard the gospel over and over again, chances are you're not going to make a turn to Christ because of the tribulation. 
If you don't have the ability or the desire to serve him now, uh, when the pressure's on you during the time of the tribulation, it's going to be much easier for you to say, I'm, I'm going to take the mark of the beast. I'm not going to give in to, uh, the, to, the, to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. But those who do receive Christ during the time of the tribulation, they're going to face an awful lot of, of difficult times because Satan is going to have more authority and more power. It's like his last hurrah is given during the time of the tribulation, that seven-year judgment. And after that tribulation time, there is another judgment that Satan will face. It's called the millennial judgment. This is where Satan will be locked and chained in hell for 1,000 years. Let's continue to reading Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. John the Revelator said, I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. And he seized that dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the abyss, and locked and sealed it over him, to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Now, this is amazing teaching right here, because here we discover that Satan is going to be bound and locked for a thousand years during the millennial judgment. Now, the millennial judgment is a time of the millennial reign, where you and I will be ruling and reigning with Christ here on the earth. Now, as we look at the millennial reign, a thousand year reign, this is going to take place after the tribulation. This is going to take place when we have a new heaven and a new earth. You and I will be residing on this new earth. We'll be ruling with Christ. Now, during this time, there's going to be marriage. There's going to be children being born. There's going to be people that still have to receive salvation, still are saved by grace through Christ alone. But there's going to be one component that is missing. There won't be the influence of Satan. So he will not influence the courts, for example. You think about where we are today in our world today. And it seems to me that the political and the judicial system is a mess, right? Right now, if you have a political enemy and you're on the right side of, a, of the aisle or the right side of a political campaign, you can trump up charges against somebody. And that will go through the court system and it'll be almost like a kangaroo trial, right? Where you can bring and you can pervert justice. Well, that's not going to happen in the middle of the rain. The reason there is a perversion of justice is because Satan has some authority as the prince in the power of the air today, but during that millennial reign, he will be chained and locked. So when things go wrong during the political, during that thousand year reign, the courts won't be jury rigged. There won't be any politics involved in the court system. Justice will be served fairly and justice will be served adequately and quickly. So that's during the millennial reign, Satan will be locked up for a thousand years. Number six, last but not least, is the eternal judgment. Revelation 27 through 10, the eternal judgment will be torment in hell day and night forever and ever. Let me just read Revelation chapter 20 to you, verse 7 through 10. When the thousand years is over, Satan will be released from his prison it will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and will gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand of the seashore, 
They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city that he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown forever and ever. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Well, thank the Lord for this wonderful teaching where John the Revelator reminds us that the eternal judgment for Satan is that he's going to be in hell, in torment, day and night forever and ever. Listen, you got to know God's word. We are living in a day and age where there is a, a tremendous amount of ignorance on God's word. So many people are twisting scripture and misunderstanding scripture. A high school ethics textbook published by the Chinese government includes a revised version of John 8, 3-11. And it says, Jesus said, Let he that is without sin cast the first stone. Well, this revised version, the communist version, says that Jesus threw the first stone in order to enforce the law, and he stoned the woman to death. Heresy. Listen, God's word will set you free. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.